Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus. We're in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah. You're learning something along the way. The dude who is credited with building or rebuilding the wall, amen? And he's an average guy like you and I who just did something extraordinary. You were hoping I was going to kind of bust out a, some rap lyrics or something there for you, but I'm not ready. Um, but I, I love this guy. I love what he did. I love the way he views things. I love that Nehemiah hears about destruction and, and it affects him. He hears about the brokenness and it, it bothers him. Because I think a lot of times we hear about what's going on and it doesn't bother us. We hear about things that are going on and we just think, eh, we're a bit indifferent at times. But Nehemiah hears about this issue and it, it disturbs him deeply. And then not only disturbs him deeply, but he starts to pray about things. And he, he comes before the Lord and he repents. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm repenting on behalf of this nation, but myself included. There's a, there's a humility there where you don't think that you have it together and somebody else doesn't have it together and somehow you're on higher ground. But you just realize, you know what, sometimes the judgment of God is on something or on somebody or in an area. And you realize, man, I'm so grateful that it's not my life, but it could quite easily be. And he, he does something about it and he, he prays and then he includes himself. And then he does what I believe most Christians do not do. He decides that he's going to be part of the solution. A lot of people are all talk, lots to say. They won't put their hand to the plow. Right? I've, I've seen many people I've had. I've had many people come up and say to me, that was not your greatest message. I'm still ahead of you by lots because you haven't done one. You know what I mean? Like I'm ahead. I, I, I don't love sometimes how I preach either. I'm just glad I'm doing, I'm doing my bit. I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, some people say, I don't like the way the chairs are packed. You are. The team is desperate for help. I don't like the way that, that the kids' church runs. They, they would love you to join, right? But it's easy to talk. It's not so easy to get involved. It's not so easy to put your hand to the plow. And, and Nehemiah, he does this and, and he does it with class. And I like that. I appreciate that. Now remember the walls, when we see the brokenness of the walls, the walls will always represent safety. Your wall around your house represents safety or boundaries, right? We live in Australia where there aren't walls necessarily, right? Your front yard, when I first came to this country, I was shocked. You had no, you had no bars on your windows and no walls. You didn't have a big dog trying to kill you and weapons. And it was a bit weird for me to leave a vehicle out where everyone could take it and... Um, but walls represent safety, and, 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 if, and if Satan can get through your boundaries or your walls, if he can get into your life, he's going to destroy you. Remember, he's got, he's got a plan. His MO is simple, SKD, steal, kill, destroy. If ever you feel like something's being taken from you, something's dying, or something's just being wrecked around you, you can know that it's not God, it's Satan. It's his plan. Amen? But Jesus, he also said, I haven't come to steal, kill, destroy. He said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. So you get to pick which way you want to go here. You can go the way of the enemy and just allow destruction in your life. Or you can go the way of Jesus and you're going to have life. But more than that, there's going to be an abundant life. Because there's more that Jesus has for you. Amen? Amen. And so when we look at the scriptures, 
Um, we look back on the last couple of weeks and we're really into the building process. Walls are starting to be built. Gates are being put back together. Last week we spoke about what the gates represent. Every man and his dog getting involved. Men and women. A lot of people think like, you know, I've heard many people go, women can't do anything in church. I don't know. They were in Nehemiah, they were all getting involved. Young and old. You're never too young to make a difference. You're never too old to make a difference. Amen. You have generations. You read through the book of Nehemiah. You go through chapter 3. You start to see generations. You see grandson working with granddad. That's cool. Like we, I, I would love if we had a church that was just generational. Where people would come and say, this is my church. And a hundred years from now, they'd say, it was, it was my granddad's church. It was my dad's church. It was my church, my kids. I'd love that. I think that's what church is supposed to be. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Amen? Generations. And for that to happen, really, for, for grandson to know what to do, granddad has to do something. When I, when I, when I, was, when I was at home... Um, before I moved out, so like a year ago. And um, my mother used to say all the way as we were growing up, she said, Andrew, you're not too young to lend a hand in this family. You're not too young to make a difference in this house. You can do something. Maybe you can't do everything, but you can do something. And she'd point out a number of things, like your shoes, for instance, on the floor. You can. You will, but you can as well. Right? You can pick those up. And we have, to, we have to realize that we have to, if you've got kids, you need to set the example. You need to set the pace. You need to set the tone. Amen? Yes? yes. So positive vibes. They're building and they're starting to get some traction. They're starting to get, start, some of the rubble is starting to come back together when we look at our own lives. I don't know whether you've ever thought about this. You, you come to the Lord, you realize I'm an absolute disaster. And then I don't know how this happens, but you fast forward a year and you look back on your life and you think, I don't know that I've done all that much, but little things are starting to come together. Little things that, that used to bother me are not something that bother me anymore. Certain things I used to say, I don't say anymore. I now suddenly know what Hillsong music is. And I've heard of a song from Planet Shakers. Like you, you just start to grow and learn. Uh, the pastor says John 3.16. And you're like, no, I think I've heard that somewhere. I've heard that somewhere. You know, Where before it was like I had no idea. John 3.16 could have been a nursery rhyme to me. I don't know. right? And so you, you start to do church for long enough. And, and things start to make a little bit more sense. Are you with me? And so... Um, when you give your life to Jesus, it's supposed to be like all like roses. You remember that? I'm going to give my life to Jesus and everything will become easy. And you gave your life to Jesus and everything became more difficult. No one told me the full extent of this. What do you mean I can't? What do you, so hang on. So I can't. What do you mean I can't go out drinking the way I was drinking? What do you, what do you, what do you, you never said that when I gave my life to the Lord. Pastor, you left that part out. So you're saying I have to come here sober. Is this what, is this what the expectation is? Right? Like, and, and the enemy starts throwing down. You start facing trouble. Now, do you remember in the beginning of Nehemiah? As soon as they arrived, there were guys that they were starting to put some pressure. We don't want you here. Don't come here and think you're going to rebuild. And the enemy will tell you that in your own personal life as well. Don't think you're such a hot shot that you're going to put that mess back together. And we have to understand that it's not you putting the mess back together. It's God. And God works through people. Amen? So trouble when you start, and then uh, even more trouble when you start getting some traction. 
That's what we're going to talk about this evening. So we're going to turn to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be in chapter 4. I'm going to read. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to read a little bit and then just stop at times and just break a few things open for you just so that you can understand the text. Are you with me? Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and, uh, and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble, or weak, what do these bunch of weak Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? That's what they think they can do. Do they actually think they can make something out of stones, a rubbish heap, and charred at that? What are these? What are these? What are these? What do you think you're doing? What, what are you going to? You of all people, you're, the mess and the disaster in your life, and you think you're going to do something great? Go for it. Let's see what you can do. What a joke. That's what the enemy does to us. And for some reason, we go, that's a good point. That is a good point. After all you've done, you think you're going to do something for God? We notice how quick that sets in. Whenever you see rage in your life, in your friend's life, in your, in your family, in the Bible, whenever you see somebody go into a state of rage, they will almost always do something about it. Right? Any, uh, probably not here, uh, but it, I know some people at times you've struggled with a thing called road rage. Right? Have you noticed when somebody infuriates you, you can't just be like, oh, I'm so angry right now. <laughs> In Jesus' name, Lord, that you would bless them exceedingly. No, no. Once you've put me in that state, I cannot help but express myself. And I almost always offer, offer a gift, right? I always offer a hand gesture or, or something that would help them understand how angry I am. You can't just leave. It's really hard to contain rage. Amen? And that's just road rage. Like as anything happens in our life where we go into a state of rage, like how many people in the midst of a war with their, with their partner, just like they're just in that absolute, they can't believe what's going on. And I just, I bless you. No, no, no. That's when you start saying things and suddenly there's a hole in the door and you kick the cat off the porch. and Like a lot's going on. In a fit of rage, there is always something that's going to come your way. Amen? Verse 3. Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. It's not only good luck, but it's going to be pretty weak. Whatever you build is going to be weak. You think you're going to put stuff back together after it's broken in your life? It's going to be useless. This is what the enemy will start to say. We have to be mindful that it's words but words have power. And if you allow those words in, they will take root. And then they settle in your heart. And before you know it, you're repeating what the enemy has said. That's why you have to get into the Word of God, so that you repeat what the Word of God says. Are you with me? People who talk trash, have you noticed? They always surround themselves with losers who are in agreement. We've been thinking, oh, I bet you have. I wonder how, why it is you needed to find a friend. Have you noticed? Well, we've just been talking in the church and what we've figured out. No, no, no. What I've figured out is this. You were disgruntled and found somebody that you could mouth off to. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's two of you. 
who both look... Let's move right on. Disgruntled. disgruntled. Let's go with disgruntled. It's easy to see. It's easy to see. These guys, you can tell when somebody's got no vision. Because they're always complaining about those who are doing something. If you have vision for your own life, if you have vision for your family, if you have vision for your ministry, for, for your workplace, for, you, you won't be worrying about what somebody else isn't doing. You'll be consumed with what you are doing. It will affect you. You will think about it. It's, it's something you wake up in the middle of the night about. You're like, hmm, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. It might be a rubbish idea, but I've got an idea. If you're waking up and you're like, well, you wake up in the middle of the night, you think, you know, who does Jenny think she is? I mean, you've got problems. Amen? And so they start to talk amongst themselves and ridicule. And when people do that, it, it's called gossip. And when you, when you gossip, you might think it's funny to you, but God does not think it's funny at all. In fact, he, he detests it. He hates it. And, and it infuriates God that people would do it. So here's Nehemiah's response, which is very similar to mine, when, like in a road rage situation. Verse 4, then I prayed. I don't know what you guys do, but I just pray. <laughs> Hear us, O God, for we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. Now these are things that I say when the road rage. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sin, for they have provoked you to anger. Not me. They're provoking you. Because when you're going to start to gossip and talk rubbish, you are provoking God to anger. Don't worry about somebody else. Amen? Wow. Here in front of the builders, you want to go public? You want to humiliate somebody publicly? You want to mock somebody publicly? You are infuriating God. Now, I can do a lot, but he only has to sneeze and you become a wet spot. One word from God and it's over. One you don't want to play that game. The last thing you want to do is annoy the, uh, the, the chief of the armies of heaven. That's the last thing you want to do is infuriate the Lord. Why would you? By, by basic lack of vision. Verse 6, at last the wall was complete to half the, its height around the entire city. For the people worked with enthusiasm. There's something about working, building in your life, doing something with passion. You get involved, you get into it. It starts to generate something, right? That's why you need to get a move on. Some of you young people, hear me. The, most of your depression and anxiety can just be broken like that by starting something. Just work, begin, do, paint a picture, write a poem, do anything. Just get involved. Get around people. Because in a moment, something happens and you, you become enthusiastic. You want to change. When you start to look in the... Have you ever... Like, obviously, I spend most of my life in a gym, right? When I, when I look in the mirror and I just think, like, I had six, but there's eight. <laughs> right? Like, I want to go to gym more. Remember when you used to go for a walk? You used to put your shoes on at the front door. You used to walk out and you used to think, oh, my God. I'm, I'm exhausted. Like, the, I think I'm stiff from the squats just putting, putting my shoes on. And then if you're like me, you run that double marathon in a day and suddenly you realize I'm not even stiff at all. Why? You start to get enthusiastic the more you do something. Do something. Amen? People with no drive, no, no oomph, no go to them, they're usually wallowing in the rubble. They're not putting things back together. Are you wallowing in the rubble? Like, are you looking at your life and going, it's a complete disaster? 
Well done. Well done. You've now noticed. Put it back together. Put it back together. Let's go. It may not be perfect. It's going to have cracks. There might be some scarring. There might be some black marks through it. Might be some burnt pieces. Maybe, maybe areas you feel are not as strong as they once were. But put it back together. Let's go. Amen? Now watch this. This is amazing. This is going to help you tremendously. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashadites, heard uh, that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made, a plan, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Now, dial in. I need, you to, I need you to concentrate here for a second, right? There's some massive things going on here. When they first arrived to put the wall together, there were a couple of enemies. Whenever you say yes to God, you're going to face opposition. No matter when that is, and, 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 and I wish it would go away, but it, it just doesn't work this way. You can say yes today and then yes tomorrow to something more, something bigger, something, something more expansive. You can, if it's for God, you will face opposition. You will face it, right? So they had opposition. The opposition is this. It starts with mocking you. What, what do you think you're going to do anyway? You think you're all that. I mean, you, you're not a great communicator. How, would you, how are you going to preach? You're not good at... You're not, what are you going to do? You can't play an instrument. You can't... What are you going to do? What, what good are you actually? And, 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 then, and then with your life, after all you've messed up, you think you're going to do something good for God? Whatever. And even if you tried, it'd be a joke. But go, waste your time by all means. That's the enemy. That's what the enemy sounds like. And then you fast forward a little bit and you see that they started to put things back together. And you'd think that it would be like, yeah, in your face. Nailed it. But it doesn't. The enemy now becomes furious. Why? Because when you start to put these walls back together, when you start to put boundaries in place, when you stop allowing certain things in, you are disarming the enemy. You are disarming him. And that is infuriating because he used to have full access to your life. He used to be able to walk in and walk out, say what he wants, do what he wants, be involved in everything, mess up that relationship, have you saying things, doing stupid stuff. And now suddenly you're putting things in place that stop that. That's why most of you young people know this is true. Most of you young people know that if you were to cut loose most of your friends most of your problems would go with it. Because you'd be putting a boundary in place that says, I'm not allowing you to influence me anymore. And with that would come incredible strength. But what would happen? They'd begin to mock you. Oh, that's because you gave your life to Jesus. Go on. Let's see what happens. Let's go. I want to find out. Man, you won't last a week. You don't last a week in anything. You never stick it out. You'll never be a great success. Go. Find new friends. See what happens. Let's go. Be a loser. That's the enemy speaking through the people that you called friends. 
And you start to put, push things away and suddenly the enemy it turns up again. Now suddenly they're trying to find a way in. And he says this. He says they were furious and they made plans. So they're thinking about how can we cause confusion? First Corinthians says this. For God is not the author of confusion. So when you see somebody trying to create confusion, they are the Antichrist. I was going to do something great for God and then a whole lot of stuff happened. It's the demonic trying to stop you. And you have to partner with what God is saying, not what the enemy is saying. Are you with me? So the first enemy, which Sanballat, right, was a Hononite. I think I got that right. doesn't matter. He was, these people represent the opposing of building the wall. They are always, there is always anger attached. You want to put something back, you're going to find an enemy come at you that will cause you frustration and anger. I'm going to, I'm going to have one of those weeks where I'm going to bless everyone. But you have that week, it's just like I just told everyone their fortune. Like everything goes the other way because you're being opposed. They're indifferent. They, they provoke. This kind of enemy likes to provoke. Press buttons. Never happy. You find people in your life that the minute you want to do something nice, they've got nothing nice to say about it. That's this enemy. Then we had the Ammonite. Always rebelling against God's will. You want to do something for God? They're always... The minute you're like, you know what, I, I'm going I'm to commit to going to church. They're like, man, listen, I just thought I'd let you know we're doing a barbecue on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> oh. Dude, you won't believe we, um, we've just got finance for a jet ski. Uh, we're taking it out Sunday afternoon. Um, it'll be great. You'll be back in time for church. Always opposing the will of God. Always. You will find somebody. They're greedy and they are ready to fight the plan of God. You start wanting to do something for God. I've faced this in my own life. You say, sorry, guys, I can't make it. I've got to go to church. We don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Why are you opposing the plan of God in my life? Why are you coming against that? Why would you come against that? I know exactly what you are. The minute you don't have, to, I mean, it's, a, it's one week. It's literally one week. We just, we, it's one week. No, it's not. It's not the one week that's the problem. You can take a week off church. You've ne- There's not a person in this church, never ever, has anyone in this church ever had me contact them and say, why have you missed a week of church? True? True. Yeah. You ever heard anyone in this church ever had a, a message from me making sure that you will be here? Yeah. No. Not interested in that. That's, that's your walk with God. Yeah. That's your walk with God. I don't want to do that. We don't need to do that. We're adults. Right? That's not what we're about. You're always going to find it, though. There is always going to come an enemy that's going to be opposed to the will of God in your life. And now, suddenly, once they put the walls together, we find a new enemy. If you're going to start getting traction, you're going to face an enemy. The Ashadites. Now, let me read what these guys stand for. You ready? A strongly fortified people of aggression, rebellious, oppressing, thieving, and destroying the thoughts in a man's consciousness. A strongly fortified people of aggression, 
rebellious, oppressing, thieving, and destroying the thoughts in a man's consciousness. Hang on, it gets better. From Ashdod, midway between Gaza and Jaffa. Welcome to the Palestinians. Welcome to 2023. You are always going to start doing something for God. You commit to doing something great, to putting things in place that become healthy in your life, healthy in your family. And you are going to come against people who are strongly fortified, people who are strongly opposed to this. Because if you get it right, you block the enemy out. And it's much easier to walk in to a door that's open than to sit there and try and pick the lock. He doesn't mind that the door is closed. He minds when you lock it. Because he has no more access to your life. Some of you need to look and say, what walls, what boundaries, what gates need to be rebuilt in my life? Because the enemy is walking in and out of your life and you are allowing it. And the minute you try and do something, all hell breaks loose. And you're not recognizing that if he can get you, he's going to get in and destroy your life. You have to put that boundary in place. You have to keep that boundary in place. You have to maintain that boundary. You saw when they were building the gate, they didn't just build a gate. They, at the same time as putting the gate up, they built the locks. A gate will do nothing if it's unlocked. What is a gate that's unlocked? What is this thing you, you, you say to yourself? Uh, look, I, I remember with some young people, right? There, there was a young guy years ago. He came to me and he said, he said the, the things that I'm watching on my phone, I, they're destroying my life. And he said, I'm making a decision right here, right now. That I am not going on that platform ever again. I'm putting something in place that says no more. And so I said to him, that's fantastic. There's a great app you can get, which is amazing. What you do is you, you connect the app to me so that if you go on the app, I get told. <laughs> I remember him looking at me and going, uh, so he wanted to pray about it, right? And so this went on and on for months. For months, on and, off, on and off. And every time he'd come to me and say, can you pray for me? I said to him, no. What do you want me to pray about? You've got a decision to make. There's no prayer. You said you're going to pray about it. You hear from God. I already gave you the solution. And then one day I got, an, I got a notification. Early hours of the morning. Would I accept the invitation? You know that I'd love to tell you that it was instant. But it took ages. In fact, it, it must have, I think the first time we disconnected was maybe about four or five years ago. So, so we probably did seven or eight years together. The amount of conversations I've had to have where I've texted and said, get off. And you get one back saying, I'm so broken. I'm, so, I'm in so much pain. The fight is real. And to have a coffee with somebody... All those years later, and he said to me, I want to buy you a coffee and let you know that I've been clean for three months. This is a guy who was so ashamed of what he had done. Good-looking rooster as well, really good-looking guy. So ashamed that he didn't even want a girlfriend. He's like, I, I, no girl deserves me. I'm that bad. 
and to watch his life turn around and to watch, I just watched, he just got married, right? To watch his life turn around because he managed to put a wall in there and then maintain and maintain and fight and fight and fight because the enemy in that gate for him destroyed everything. And now, a man of great strength. You need to protect yourselves too. He says, verse 9, but we prayed to our God. Every time you see the enemy come, you see Nehemiah says, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Some of you think that God's a genie, right? You just rub the bottle and then he'll pop out and turn up and help you. When it, No, you need to do something too. You need to do something too. Some of you need to just make sure the phone's not in the bedroom would be a good start. You'll be amazed what happens when you do something. You do it. We need to protect ourselves. We need to recognize what the enemy is doing. We need to build walls and boundaries in place that say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to allow that in my life anymore. You have to do it. It's difficult, but it's worthwhile. You protect yourself. You have to protect one another. They were fighting for one another and supporting one another. They were there alongside each other, building and protecting. You have to be there for one another. Don't look across the room and go, oh, what a disaster again. Don't do that to one another. Protect, cover, pray. Be there for one another. Amen. You walk out your own salvation. You don't have to worry about somebody else's. You don't have to every time somebody challenges you on something, you think, yeah, but, but what about Joe? Leave Joe out of it. What about you? Joe needs to sort Joe out. Andrew needs to sort Andrew out. Yes. You need to sort you out. And church would be a great place if we did that. Church would be much better if instead of us judging and making passing comments on what everyone else is doing, if we just shut our mouths and worked on ourselves. If you've got nothing nice to say, zip it. Amen. Support somebody. You don't go, oh my gosh, those shoes. Have you seen the shoes Joe's wearing? Horrendous. No. Just say, I love your top. You go further. Amen? Leave the shoes out. If they're ugly, they're ugly. Just say your top looks lovely. Amen? Your shoes look lovely as well. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just, because she's, that's that right. She's showing me fingers and all sorts of, I don't know what's going on. Amen? If we don't do this, hear what I'm saying. I guarantee you, if you don't do this, if you don't protect yourself, when that wall starts making progress, you will go from enthusiastic to complaining. Because when the enemy comes, life seems like it's difficult. Verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain. Here we go. The workers are getting tired. Not I'm getting tired. Have you noticed that? Not me. But just because everyone's tired. No, you're tired. Don't worry about everyone else. There's so much rubble. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. When you hear this kind of language in your own life, just recognize what you're facing. You're just discouraged. You started with, we can do this, let's go. You built the, the wall halfway and now suddenly it's difficult? That's much easier. It's, you're building at eye level. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying before we know what's happening, they will swoop in and kill them and their work. Just let that sink in for a second. You think that the enemy won't come after what you've done. Think again. 
They'll attack you, verse 12. They'll come from, uh, from all directions and attack us. Verse 14 will jump. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles, the rest of the people, and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. I I don't know when last you've done this for yourself, but I want to encourage you. Just take a step back from your life. Grab yourself a coffee, sit down, and just take a step back and go, what on earth am I facing right now in my family? I'll bet you your greatest challenges are an attack from the enemy. And the thing that it comes after is your relationship with God. And everyone's now complaining, it's too difficult, what are we going to do? The enemy's after us, we're hearing about this, and now they, I mean, they were mocking us. Now they're planning to kill us, come on man, like... And I'm trying to build, and now it's, it's full on. I like life so busy. It's so full on. Work, I mean, work, you should see my boss. My boss really is difficult. Like you think you've got a, a difficult boss. I, I, my boss is one of the most difficult guys I've ever worked for in my life. His name's Andrew, and he's painful. Like, and he works me like a slave, you know. He doesn't pay very well, and... You take a step back and you realize, hang on, we're, we're, we're fighting for something bigger here. We're, fight, we're fighting for our brothers. We're fighting for our sons, our daughters, our wives, and our homes. Like, we're supposed to be fighting for something. We just feel like we're fighting or drowning sometimes. Like, we're fighting for one another, not with one another. We have to stand for one another. We have to stand with each other. You are, you are fighting, some of you older people, you are fighting an enemy so that your sons and daughters don't have to fight this enemy. You're putting boundaries in place that teach them to have boundaries that will protect them from the enemy that you are facing. We are standing with each other when an enemy is coming after our homes, coming after our families, coming after our place of work. He is coming after you and we are bickering about nonsense instead of standing together and saying, if you go through a tough time, I'm there with you. I see what's going on. I'm here for you. And I'm going through a tough time. Stand with me. We need to get back to being the body of Christ, not a hierarchy of people. This is not the Pastor Andrew show. Nehemiah is building. I'm building. This is you are building too. And you're building for your sons. You're building for your daughters. You're building for your families. You're you're not building for me. Lord knows my day will expire at some stage. I will breathe out my last at some stage. And one of you is going to come along or your kids or your grandkids is going to come along and continue building, continue leading, continue pushing forward. You are not just building today. You are building for the generation that is coming. Amen. Amen? Amen. Be like Nehemiah. Take a step back. Recognize what you're dealing with. And what does he do? He speaks God's word and he encourages. When you find somebody going through a difficult time, don't side with them. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. Hear them. Listen to them. 
But you remind them of what God has done in their life. You remind them of what God is still doing. You remind them of what God is able to achieve. And you encourage them and you build in. Listen to them. Be there for them. But you don't climb in the hole with them. You pull them out of that hole. And some of us have to remember that when that person is in a pit or a hole or a place of depression, they do not need you in there with them. They think it, but they don't want you in there. I want to go and dig a deep hole and jump in. Now both of you are stuck. You throw a ladder or a rope and you say, I want to encourage you to know that it's possible to get out and I'm going to stand here while you do it. But you're coming to my level. I'm not coming to yours. I'm not going into that place with you. Because God is greater than that pit. The future is better than that hole. The, the, the view that God has for you is got sunshine and, and it is unbelievable. But the vantage point is on higher ground, not lower ground. We stand with each other. Verse 15 talks about uh, when the enemy heard that we knew their plans. I'm, I'm telling you now, the enemy knows today that you know his plan. And that God had frustrated them. We all return to our work on the wall. When you know the word of God and you start to recognize the enemy, God frustrates the enemy. And you can get back to it. When you don't know the Bible, when you don't know what God says, all you focus on is the challenge in front of you. Verse 21, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. And half the men were always on guard. Some of you guys, you're like, I am a half on guard. Hear me, guys, seriously. There's no goofing off. From early till late, sunrise to sunset, for every hour that you're awake, for every moment that, that you have available to you, you need to take a step back, look at your life, and say, what do I need to do to put something in place to stop 10,000 messages from getting in so that only one does? Every message outside of God wants you, your time, your money. Wants your mind, wants to place an agenda in you. God is the only one trying to get you to something great. Every other message is trying to get you to their greatness. Like, snap out of it. It, it, Like, it's so difficult. Yeah, and? What's worse? What's worse? The challenge you face? Or making sure that it's the last time you face it. Come on. We're in a war. And then verse 23, this is one of my favorites. And this is what I'm going to ask that we all do this week. He says, during this time, none of us, nor I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with us ever took off their clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times. Even when we went to the water. So it's just a week. We're not going to change for a week. Just stay in the clothing you're in. For a week, just building, you can imagine the building, the sweat, the smell would have been delicious. That's horrendous. That is horrendous. That's the, that, that verse, we can't have that in the church. Never took their clothes off. 
What it is, is just commitment. We are so dialed in that we're not going to let anything else get in the way here. Are you that? Are you that? That you're so focused on what God wants to do that you're like, whatever the distraction, I'm not interested. What, whatever the distraction, I'm not interested. Because you get sucked in quick. I don't know if you've ever, like if you've ever taken some of the time just to read what's going on uh, between Israel and, and you know, now I, like I don't have a lot of time, but it's amazing how much time I can commit to that. For somebody who hasn't got a lot of time, I'm just shocked at how much time I found. I'm like, I, I don't have 10 minutes, I don't, just don't have 10 minutes for this. Like four hours later, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Hey, and you, you, you look up like you're looking for somebody. Have you noticed there's no one in the house? And you're like, you're just like, this is, huh? Come on, scroll, refresh, refresh. I mean, something else could have happened here. You have a lot of time. I love this city. I love this church. I believe God's called us to, to make a difference. I do. I'm under no illusion that we're under attack. We're under attack. The people of God are under attack. He's coming after you. The enemy is coming after your family. He's coming after your workplace. He's coming after your relationships. He's coming after your kids. He's coming after your marriage. He's coming. Everything is under attack. Your finance is under attack. Have you noticed? Have you noticed how, how your bills come in every three months? And you're like, how is it that I'm paying them every month though? Why does it feel like I? Why does it feel like I've? Have you ever done that? Do you get the bill and you think it's impossible? I paid last week. It wasn't. It was three months ago. Everything's under attack. And God is calling us to rebuild. And we need to stop thinking that tomorrow is another day. And we need to build right here, right now. We need to get into it. We need to stop procrastinating. We need to look at the world around us, take a step back and say, how much longer before I get involved? How much longer before I make a difference? How much longer before I do something? How much longer before I stop looking and thinking I'm not enough and I start realizing that I can do something? How long? Because right now many of you feel like you're just useless, like you're, you're, not, even, you're not even a fraction of what you could be. I said to Joe, I was, I was printing something, and I just, this, this thought came, right? And it's probably because I, like, I print like signage, and, and you've got you to pull out all the stuff that you don't want. It's called weeding, right? And so I was, thinking, I was probably thinking about weeding, and I just, I, just felt like, I just felt like the Lord showed me something. He said, you know, a weed planted will achieve more than a tree uprooted. Some of you have incredible fruit that could come. But you're going to have to dig your roots in and settle in and say, right, I'm going to build. I'm going to receive what God has for me. I'm going to take this nourishment and do something about it. Because, because what happens is everything's uprooted in your life. And you just, you're here, then there, then up, then down, then in, out, hot, cold. Like that's not going to produce anything in your life. Sometimes you find the person who does the least actually getting things done. You think like, how does that person? They're like nothing compared to the gifting I've got in my life. 
but they just stay the course. They just keep going, keep going, keep going. They plant it. They don't quit. They don't stop. They, co- they just keep going, 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 going. Some of you need to get that fight in you. I'm going to build and build. I'm not going to worry about how big. I'm not going to worry about how expansive. I'm not going to worry about how much money. I'm just going to chip away at what God's got for me. I'm going to, I'm going to see a mistake in my life and fix it. I'm going to see an area where I need to repent and I'm going to turn away. I'm going to see that that way I've spoke to that person, I'm going to apologize. I see the way I didn't dis- I, I dishonored my boss. I'm going to buy him a donut. Come on. The vegans in that room. Come on, man. There's vegan donuts now. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen? Yeah, I tried to get one, and then I realized Shane bought everything on the whole planet. Well done, Shane. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) Amen? Like, we've got to turn our lives around and realize there's so much more for us to do. We're like a Nehemiah generation living in a, in a time and a city that is broken. Rockingham's wrecked. Come on, but God can do, put something back together. Beldivis is struggling, but we can help families that are broken. We can do something. It may seem insignificant today, but it will be majorly significant in the years to come. Amen? Come on, it's not your fault, but it is your fight. I, I know that it's not your fault. Some of what's happened is not your fault, but it is our fight. I don't want to be the person who looks back and says to the kids' church, sorry, we were going to do something and we were going to build something great for you guys. And then, you know, like life got us and the enemy came and we were just a bit discouraged. So we, you know, we just decided we were going to take a couple of years off and, and just kind of recoup and get our settle in again. And we just thought we'd wait for this wave to pass and catch the next one. I don't want to look them in the eye and say that. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do it to your family. Build something. Be proud of what we're putting back together. I want a church where people love to attend. And I think it's possible. Amen? So as we close, here's what you might be saying. Pastor Anz, what do I do? How can I help? What part of this wall can I put back together? How do I rebuild my life? How do I make this practical? Here's, Here's something you can do. Number one, don't gossip. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I, I, I remember this. I, I came out of hor- like a horrendous situation. I remember a pastor saying to me, after everything that they've done to you, how can you say nothing? After everything they're saying about you, how can you say nothing? After they go public and just absolutely lie, how can you say nothing? And if I'm honest, I, if I could have got my hands on certain people, I'd have throttled them. That's what I wanted to do. But what I realized in that moment is that I'm upset, but they are making God angry. And I can go and take back and get involved, but then I'm going to, God's going to take his hands off. And so I had to learn, as difficult as it was, to say, God, it's yours. I'm just going to focus on what you got for me. And I can tell you, in the moments, the pain was like unbearable. But when I look back on it, I think, oh my gosh, they were fixating and I've just learned so much. I've grown and developed and changed and I'm happier. And now if people say something, ah, say it. You know, what, what are you going to say that I don't already know? Andrew, you're useless. Nah, I know. Make lots of mistakes. You're ugly. I know it's a lie. Come on. Have you seen this? Like, come on, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, we sometimes we've just got to get to that place. Don't gossip. Number two, read your Bible. Read your Bible. I think we've got about two. I think it's two. 
I wasn't, I should have listened to Lizette, but it was about two or three weeks, uh, the Bibles arrive, right? If you don't have a Bible, you can take one. They're going to be here available to you. We're going to bless people and put the Word of God in people's hands. Greatest joy of my life. Amen? How cool is that? That's why you'll see, can you put a scripture up? Anything, Annie? There's a, it'll be a page number. That page number, not that one, yeah, there. Page, that page number will be in the Bible that's with every person, that they can follow along in Scripture with us. How cool is that? They don't have to know where Nehemiah is, but they do know where paid 785 is. That's cool. Yes? That's so cool. Number three, what you can do, pray. There's a thing where you can speak to God. Talk to Him. It doesn't have to be fancy words. It just has to be real. Sometimes the best prayer you can do is just sit in front of Him and say, God, I have nothing. I had one of those mornings this week, just in the car. I just felt to pray. I said, God, I, I, have, no, I have no idea what to say. Nothing. I just don't have words. And you know what? Probably one of the greatest 10-minute drives. I just sat there quietly. Prayer is powerful. Your life is a prayer. Your life is a prayer. Like, don't neglect this. Serve one another. Serve one another. Get involved. Jump on the A-team. But outside of the serve one another, right? Don't, don't be afraid of, of, of taking a meal to somebody. Don't be afraid of sending a, a word of encouragement. Don't be scared of that. You'll be amazed at what it does to somebody. Protect one another. Gosh, you know that life comes at you. Be there for one another. Encourage one another. Do you know how to know whether somebody needs encouragement or not? They're breathing. It's true. How many people encourage you? Amen? Come on, bow your heads. I want you to think about something. The world has left its mark on you. The enemy did get in. And he's broken some of the walls and the boundaries that you thought would never, ever be broken. I'll never say that broken. I'll never do that broken. I'll never be involved in that broken. He got in. The enemy got in. But we're not... Nehemiah's not about what, how the enemy broke the wall. It's about how they rebuilt it. How God used... Everyday people to do something extraordinary. And there's actually nobody extraordinary in the room. There's nobody extraordinary online. We're just average people. We're everyday people. And God delights in taking everyday people and doing something extraordinary through them. He delights in you. And He loves you. And He cares about you. And when you feel like you've messed up too much, He loves you. And He delights in you. And He cares for you. Stop running from Him and start running to Him. You're going to have trouble. 
as a Christian, we will face trouble. John 16.33 says this, I've told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I've overcome the world. Jesus has already conquered. How about you rest in that? You're a child of God. How about you rest in the fact that He's got you? You're His. How about you rest in that? Remember when you were a kid? You just knew there was a safety, Dad's home. If your dad was like my dad, my dad was just a little stronger than Superman. Nobody could beat him. Because there's safety. Imagine how much your heavenly Father is there to protect you and care for you. Hey? When you know how strong your dad is, I mean, Kurt's pointing out Shane right now. He's like, you're still my Superman. (laughs) Come on, God loves you tremendously. So Father, I just pray right now that you would lift people's spirits. That way they look at their life and they just feel like, ugh. That this evening they'd go, come on, I'm going to put this back together. And there might be charred bits and there might be marks and there might be scars. And I'm going to build and I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit because I'm worth it. And so are the people I'm going to reach. Some of you, your biggest yuck moment is going to be the thing that helps somebody else. But it's time to submit that to God. So while no one's looking around, I want you all to be thinking about am I focused on the enemy or Jesus? Maybe you're in this room, you think, I need to give my life to Jesus right now. While no one's looking around, I'm not calling you forward. Just slip your hand up and say, just include me in that prayer. I see your hand. Great decision. Great decision. I'm not calling you forward. I just want to know who I'm praying with you. My hand's up, man. I need him. I need the Lord. That's you. Just slip your hand and put it straight back down. Just say, yep, include me in that prayer. I see your hand. Great decision. Put it straight back down. Great call. Great call. Greatest day of your life. Maybe your hand went up. Maybe it didn't. Just know this. God's about to do something extraordinary in your life. The world's going to stand in awe. Judge you now, maybe. Got a lot to say now, maybe. But you just wait and see what's about to happen. So, Father, we just submit everything to you. We give you our life, our mind, our finance. We give you our efforts, our job. We give you our families. We give you everything. When we feel like we're just not enough, we're reminded this evening that you are. Whilst the enemy might come at us, the victory is yours. And we're in you. We're victorious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wanna I wanna leave you with this thought as you before you head out and grab some coffee. I um I don't know if any of you have ever played like video games or whatever. I don't know if it's still like this, but there was a, a game called Tekken, which is like a fighting game. And, and what I would do is I would get my brother to go and grab something real quick out of his room and then I'd jump onto his controller and I would downgrade all his settings. 
Um, and then I would let him have the odd round. I'd let him have one or two. And then, uh, Russ, if you're watching, I just want to apologize. And, um, and that's why I'm player one, because I'm, I'm the boss. And so there's something about making a bet when you know you can't lose. There's something about it going, I, I bet you 10 bucks is I'll beat you. Knowing full well I'm at full power and he's at zero. And then annihilating him. And then taking his money. And then buying sweets and not sharing with him. Like there's something about being that kind of winner as a kid. Um, you're like that in Jesus. You can't lose. You cannot lose. When you face tough times, just know this. God is more powerful than the enemy ever could be. And just because he's not as loud as the, as the enemy does not change a thing. The greatest spirit is still the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as you walk out in this place, leave that feeling of defeat behind you and walk in victory knowing that God is for you. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.